I'm Dylan Curtis, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. We are back. Wow. Back for another podcast episode. It's crazy uh, because we're doing it now in Montana. Here we are. Thank you for bearing with me last week when I wasn't able to um, really get to a podcast. I wanted to, but it was just one of those situations that things were busy and so transitioning happens. And so thank you all who were being, thank you for being patient with me, basically. Um, I did get a script done last week, and I just didn't have the time to record it. So here we are. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, what I'm calling the sinner syndrome. And that sounds really weird, so we're going to have to explain ourselves. Uh, by which I mean me. I, I don't have a, multiple personalities, okay? I'm going to have to explain myself and the thought behind this. So the idea from this actually came with a conversation, uh, someone here at CLC, um, where we were talking about essentially, how are we to understand who we are uh, in light of sin and being saved, how we are saved from the ultimate consequence of sin, but yet we still um, fall into sin ourselves. And it's easy for us to maybe get down on who we are or to think of ourselves um, sort of in a lowly position. Um, and so how do we reconcile that with the fact that Jesus calls us children of, of God and we've been adopted into sonship and we are um, treated as um, worthy even though we did nothing to be worthy. So we're sort of focusing on this um, relationship and how how that plays out in life. So what I mean by the sinner syndrome is, um, you know, what I mean by it, I, I, I am going to get there. I swear to you, I'm going to get there. So actually, let me back up. I need to follow my script. This is what happens when you don't follow the script, okay? Uh, let's start with syndrome, the word syndrome first, actually, because um, we kind of covered sin and what it means to be a sinner um, who's saved by grace. So syndrome... Uh, in its definition, dictionary definition, is a group of symptoms which consistently occur together or a condition categorized uh, or characterized by a set of associated symptoms. Uh, so what I'm getting at with sinner syndrome is that while we are saved by the grace of Christ, we struggle with the reality that we still sin, that at some level we are still sinners. And this often leads us to spiritually, emotionally, and mentally feel like we don't measure up, um, so we get down on ourselves because sin is inevitable. Even if we're saved, we still are fallible humans who fall short of the glory of God. Um, and this, at times, has led some Christians to kind of throw up their hands and say, well, I can't do it. Uh, if I'm going to wind up sinning at some point, why even try not to? Um, this, of course, falls into the cheap grace category, uh, and, you know, if I'm a sinner, no matter what I do, why try to change it all is sort of the mentality behind that. Then there are those who say we are saved from sin. So our aim is to become holier and holier. Uh, this mentality tends to produce two results um, from my observation, at least. One, uh, an immense sense of guilt when sin does occur because we aren't being holy. And two, a pious and holy superiority complex, right? 
it makes us makes some people strive for um, holy superiority, if you will. Uh, and we see that in the Corinthians as an example. Um, but is there some kind of middle ground? Is there any kind of middle ground? Um, of course, we don't wish uh, to be those who are apathetic to sin, who say, I'm resigned to the fact that I'll sin, so why, why try not to, essentially? And we don't wish to be those who feel an unceasing guilt of never measuring up. Um, and we don't wish to feel a sense of superiority because we are driven to be holier and holier, right? So we're kind of, where's the middle ground in all of this? Is there a, is there a middle ground? Um, because people are created and wired differently, it is hard to tackle this subject in in, in a way that satisfies everyone. Um, but I'm going to do my best to sort of offer my two cents on it. And we're going to talk about three realities. So reality number one, we are all sinners who had no way of escape besides the death and resurrection of Christ. Romans 5, 12 through 17 Therefore, just as sin sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come." But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if, by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? The grace of Christ is an affront to the desire of humanity. Uh, As amazing, wonderful, and transforming as this grace is, it also is extremely difficult to accept as humans because of this exact mentality from Adam and Eve. It's a sinful mentality that drove them to not only disobey God, but to believe they knew better. That same doubting word from the serpent in the garden still persists. Are you sure God means that? We say, I, I know I'm a sinner who can only be saved by grace. But something in the back of our minds goes, I need to prove it still. I need to prove in some way that I was worth saving. I need to measure up in some way perform to a certain extent. And if I don't, this grace is in danger. Suddenly, our obedience is more important than faith. And obedience does matter. But obedience isn't the proof of grace. It is the result of it. Those are two different things. It is not the proof of grace, but it is the result of it. To claim obedience is the proof of faith would mean that the finished work of Christ on the cross is not in actuality finished until we fulfill our part. Nothing in Scripture indicates that is true. When Christ said, it is finished, it was finished. There is no but when it comes to the grace of Jesus Christ. I am saved, but I don't read my Bible enough. I received grace, but I need to pray more. 
I am forgiven, but I need to be a better Christian. When Christ says, you are forgiven, that's where it starts and ends. And my hope is that all of us grow in these many spiritual blessings God has given us, like prayer and scripture. But we can't allow the enemy to trap us into thinking our performance is equal to our forgiveness. Everything flows out of that forgiveness. Again, obedience, or works even, is the result. It is not the proof, but the result of our forgiveness. All right, reality number two. We are free from the consequences of sin, but not the effect of it. We live in the now and not yet, uh, the time between Christ's victory over sin and death, and the final act of completely annihilating them. So we still sin and we still die. And for many people, this is likely the source of dissonance between being saved and still sinning. We are not subject to the consequence of sin any longer in the eternal sense, uh, yet we still feel the effect here and now in the world. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this tension in Romans 8, 18 through 25. Romans 8, Romans 8 <laughs> 18 through 25 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. It is the now and not yet we are children of God now, but we wait for the glory promised to us when Christ returns and makes all things new. But because of this, we still suffer the effects of this broken and sinful world as we wait. As Paul puts it, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. We know the future that is to come, even if the present is painful. We also know the reality of sin in our lives, even though we will be fully delivered. Like the first reality, this is difficult for us to accept. If we've been saved, why do we still find ourselves falling short? Because the effect of sin is still present in our lives, even if the eternal consequence it brings has been lifted. We see the world as it will be, but struggle to accept it as it is. And that's very difficult for us to accept. All right, the last reality. Reality number three, conviction is from Christ, guilt is from Satan. And the reason I thought of this is because the person I was having the conversation with, I think they were mostly struggling with this guilt that they maybe don't measure up or they could do better or, you know, insert any sort of um, trying to be a better Christian and, and sort of the guilt that that makes us feel at times 
or even beyond that, um, also the sense of like, I'm just this dirty sinner. Um, I'm a lowly worm. Uh, and how, how am I supposed to understand myself? So that's sort of where this third reality came from, uh, the context of it. So again, the reality is conviction is from Christ. Guilt is from Satan. Uh, so Satan uses guilt to say to us, you're not worthy. You are a worm. Where Christ says, you are worth it. I remember a sermon I heard once made me walk away and think, oh, I'm worthless. I, I, I don't measure up. I'm not disciplined enough, holy enough, prayerful enough. You name it. I'm just not enough. And I didn't measure up, and I felt every ounce of guilt associated with that. It felt like defeat, um, and it was really not a great way to feel leaving a sermon. But is that really the message of the gospel? No, it is not the message of the gospel. When we are confronted with our sin, Christ does not desire for us to be consumed with guilt. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And what's, what yoke of slavery, slavery were we under? The slavery of sin. Romans 6.6, 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Feeling guilty and shameful about how we don't measure up is the yoke of slavery from sin. Accepting that we can't measure up, but have complete confidence in the grace we've received is conviction from Christ. My confessions are daily because I can't measure up. I know that I fall short and fail God. I know that there is not a path in life I could walk alone to be worthy of salvation. I feel that conviction every day or moment where I sin, but I don't feel defeated in that. Even in some of the hardest days, I don't feel defeated because my conviction is not only about my sin, my conviction has its foundation in the faithfulness of Christ. On account of Christ, we have victory. On account of Christ, we have forgiveness. On account of Christ, grace abolishes our sin. If I was to wallow in my sin, guilt would win and I'd be saying to Christ, you aren't enough. However, Christ is always enough. And when Satan says, be better, Christ says, you are mine. And I said in a sermon a while ago, this line, grace broke the scales. That's exactly what happened on the cross. Christ isn't weighing us based on how perfect or imperfect we are. He looks at us full of unconditional love and says, you are my child. I laid my life down for you so we might live eternally together. I did for you what you couldn't do for yourself because you are worth it to me. When you fall short, I love you. When you sin, I love you. When you don't measure up, I love you. There is nothing you can do to lose my love. And one of the most compelling passages in scripture is found in Romans 8, 31 through 39, which emphasizes this love of Christ. What then shall we say in response to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who is raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are not worthless in God's eyes. We are worth it. Let that truth give you hope in the moments where you feel you don't measure up, in the moments you might feel like you're oh, uh, just not, not worth it. You are worth it. And that's, it's hard. It's hard because I've struggled with this as well. I'll be honest, in my new position, I'm, I, of course, now as a senior pastor, you go through all the possibilities and you want to do well. You want to do well, not for the sake of having some big fancy church. You want to do well for the sake of the gospel. Yeah, I sin. Like everyone else, I fall short. And it's hard for us to not get down on ourselves, uh, to not be critical of ourselves. But in every way, God is saying you are worth it. In every way, he says, you are my child, and nothing will separate us. And so I hope that gives all of us some confidence in God. Not confidence in ourselves, but confidence in God. That even though we were sinners, even though we, we were never worthy, that Christ, because of his love, calls us worthy, paid the price for us to be worthy. And I think that's where our true identity goes. It can't be in ourselves or how holy or not holy we are, how much we sin or don't sin. It has to go. Our identity is based in Christ, and that's the starting point. And Christ has forgiven us and loves us and has adopted us into the into his kingdom. So I hope that message comes through and that it encourages you um, because that's this is a tough one. And I don't even know if I covered the topic, how I set it out very well. Uh, it was kind of crazy when I wrote this, busy. So, um, But hopefully it's something to think about. That's always the goal of these podcasts is something to think about, um, to wonder and to process. So... Um, I don't really have an I'm wondering question. I tried to think of one, couldn't think of one. Uh, I guess as summer is about to be here, I'm wondering what is your favorite summer activity? Uh, We have a lot of different options now that we're in Montana up in the Flathead Valley. Uh, More options than we did back in Colorado, so that's fun. Uh, We'll see what we actually get up to. Um, But yeah, I'm wondering what's your favorite summer activity to enjoy? Um, but yeah, we will call that good for now. And hopefully I get into a rhythm of doing the podcast again. That's the goal. Um, but yeah, for now I'm Dylan and this is the I'm wondering podcast.